Oh man, last night I felt really old watching, uh, just watching college basketball and the landscape of where basketball is headed. I felt really, really old last night. We saw some good, really good college basketball games last night. And how can I say this? I'm very pleased with what I saw. Very, very pleased with what I saw. The landscape. The landscape was beautiful. The landscape for basketball in general is beautiful. I'm not talking about LeBron, not talking about Anthony Davis and Westbrook and Steph Curry, some of those usual suspects that, you know, been around our entire lives. I'm talking about the new era. Um, last night, I felt like an old man. I'm 23 years old. And to some people that's young, to some people that's old. Um, but I watched the future of the NBA last night, and they're 18 years old. My little sister is 19. My sister's older than a lot of those guys that played on the court last night. And it was just baffling and shocking to me how, how blessed we are to be just fans of sports, but definitely basketball. Last night, I watched Duke and I watched Kentucky, and I'm like, damn, this is some good basketball for real. The NBA is in good hands. It's in really good hands. Um, Duke obviously beat Kentucky last night. In a close game, if you watch the game, it was back and forth. But Duke was more – they were more in control last night than anything. And Bencaro, who's going to be the first overall pick, if you haven't watched Paolo Bencaro, please go watch the man. The The, the kid is special. Um, he's going to be the first overall pick this year. He looked like an NBA player last night. Uh, he looks like Kawhi Leonard a little bit. He has a game like – I can't really compare his game, but he's special. And his teammate Kills is really special. The transfer from UGA, that's the point guard at Kentucky now. Wheeler, he had 16 and 10 last night. Uh, Chwebe from Kentucky had 17 points, 19 rebounds. We saw a lot of NBA talent last night um, at the college college uh, at the collegiate level. Ben Carl finished with 22 points. Keels finished with 25 for Duke. Duke out edge Kentucky 29. I mean 79 to 71. I'm thinking this football 79 to 71. It's in, good, it's in good hands, but what I want to get at the top of the discussion for today for at least this segment, so it is going to be a quick show today, guys. It's only going to be a 30-minute show. So what I'm going to call this is a rapid segment type thing where normally we'll go 15 minutes per segment. We'll have four segments. Today we have four segments and 30 minutes, so I'm trying to get every segment within seven to eight minutes. So bear with me here. It's a short, short short show today but it's still going to be interesting i want to get at my top 10 under 25 players in the nba and under 25 is obviously under the age of 25 and there are a lot of really good players in the nba under the age of 25 but my top 10 they hinge on this i'll go from 10 to 1 because obviously you guys would want to hear who's number one because my number one is shocking um for the people that know me that's in the chat that's in the stream right now you know who my number one is. I'm not going to say it yet, but if you know me, you know my number one. My number 10 player for under 25 players in the NBA for the people that are just joining the stream. Uh, my number 10 player is Brandon Ingram. He's coming to his own since he's left the Lakers. Um, he was an all-star his first year in New Orleans. 
him and Zion are cooking things up. Um, Zion's clearly injured, but definitely I got Brandon Ingram as the 10th best under 25 player. I got Bam at number nine. Bam is a multiple-time all-star. He averages 19, 10, and 5 every year. He's one of the most versatile big men in the league. Um, y'all tell me if y'all agree with me. Everybody in the stream that's watching the show, tell me if you agree with my list. Uh, you, get, you, get, you guys are welcome to comment back and say who you feel like is your top 10 players in the NBA under 25, but I'm just giving you mine right now. I have Brandon Ingram at 10. Bam at nine. Number eight, I got Zion. I would have Zion higher, but Zion is always injured. And the best ability is availability. And me personally, if you can't be available to give me what Zion's been giving us last year, 27 and eight, how can I count on you in the future? I like Zion. He has to lose a couple, lose a little weight. Well, a lot of weight um, for him to, you know, crack my top five. Talent-wise, is he top five? I don't know if he's talent-wise top five. But production-wise, when he's on the court, he's clearly a top five player under 25 when he's on the court. He's scoring 27 and 8. That's without a doubt. He's a top five player when on the court. But if we're talking about just overall, can I count on you to be my franchise player? I don't really see him as a franchise player. And for the people that's saying you didn't know Brandon Ingle was that young, well, guys, we are also old. Brandon Ingram, I think, is only 24 years old. I'm 23. He's a year ahead of me. Brandon Ingram's only 24 years old. Wait till you see who else is under 25. It's kind of shocking. You're like, damn, they're under 25? And, yeah. Uh, my number seven would be John Morant. If you see what John Morant's doing right now, it's freaking amazing. He's averaging 26 points a game, but he's winning games without his second-best player in Dylan Brooks. I'm going I'm to leave that out there to y'all guys. Dylan Brooks is John Morant's second best player. He made the playoffs last year. Um, I know a lot of people would say, oh, they like De'Aaron Fox over John Morant. Hell no. Hell no. I like I like De'Aaron Fox. I do. I'm a personal fan. I'm a Kentucky fan. But I got to give respect where respect is due. John Morant is a better player than De'Aaron Fox right now. He's a more proven winner. He's, he's won more games. He's a better player. Right now, De'Aaron Fox is averaging 18 points, shooting 11, 11% from three. John Moran is out here killing the league, averaging 26 points in his third year in the NBA. He made the playoffs last year. He beat y'all favorite point guard, Steph Curry, in the playing game and basically went blow for blow with Steph Curry in that playing game. So John Moran's number seven. I got Tricker Trey Young at number six. Hey, Trey Young, and I, I, I see in the comments where people are saying Ja at seven. When you see the other six I got in front of him, I think you'll calm that down just a little bit. Trey Young is a better player than John Morant. Trey Young just took – a Hawks team did the conference finals last year. Um, he just he beat Embiid and Ben Simmons in the second round. In the first round, he took down a Knicks team who wasn't really great talent-wise, but as far as defense, they were a top-five defense in the NBA. He took Milwaukee to six games. Milwaukee was the best team in the playoffs last year. I still think, even though they're injured right now, I still think Milwaukee is the best team in the league. Trey Young took that team to six. Um you got to give respect to Trey Young. He's struggling at the beginning of the year this year, but him struggling right now is 25 points a game. So that just shows how good Trey Young is. I have him at number six ahead of Ja. Do I think Ja can eclipse Trey Young? Absolutely. Am I taking into account that the West is a little bit harder than the East? No, I no, I'm not. But I think the East is now catching up to the West slowly but surely when it comes to balancing out who's the tougher teams and who's the better teams. Um, number five, I got Jason Tatum. I don't even think Jason Tatum is the best player on his team. 
I don't I don't have Jason Taylor as the best player in his team, man. And obviously, if you have a brain cell, you'll know who's at number four then. But Jason Tatum this year, he's struggling. 23 points per game, 39% from the field, 31% from the three. He's a he's a huge volume shooter. He needs a lot to go right for him to go right. I don't necessarily know if I see him as a top three player. A lot of people are big on Jason Tatum. I'm not. He's a he's a good player. He's not a great player. I'm not huge on Jason Tatum. He has his spurts where he'll have a couple of 40-point games, and he maybe give you 50 occasionally, but – like we've seen in opening night against the Knicks, he shot 7 to 30, and he hasn't looked back since then. He's building a new TD Garden. He's building a new arena in Boston currently right now, and that's why the Boston Celtics are struggling. Jalen Brown's doing his part in Boston. Jalen Brown is doing his part. Jason Tatum hasn't lived up to the billing, so I got Jason Tatum at 5. Jalen Brown is at 4, obviously. I think every year since his rookie year, Jason Brown has increased his scoring average every single year. He is taking that leap. He's taking that next step. The only reason why he doesn't get the notoriety or the kind of look that Tatum gets because Tatum is there. Tatum is the quote-unquote superstar. But if you look behind the scenes, Jason Brown, Jalen, Jalen Brown is shooting like 46% from the field, 39% from the three. Last year, he shot like almost 50% from the field, 40% from the three. He's averaging damn near the same amount of points as Jason Tatum. He's averaging 26 right now. Jason Tatum's averaging 23. Last year... Jason Tatum was averaging 25. Jalen Brown's averaging 25. So you got to give respect to Jalen Brown. He's just as good as a defender as Jason Tatum, too. And he takes less shots but scores more points. How can you argue that? Argue that? I don't know. But, yes, Jalen Brown is he's number four. Jalen Brown is number four. My apologies for Je- uh, messing up and calling Jalen Brown Jason Brown. But Jalen Brown is definitely number four. Number three, I have Devin Booker. I don't think that's shocking to nobody. I think we get all include, and we can all agree and say Devin Booker is a number three, top top three 25 player in the under in the NBA. What he did last year in the playoffs was remarkable. Um, the last highest scoring NBA game that you ever seen came out, came out of Phoenix, and it was Devin Booker. Devin Booker scored 71 points. 71 points. And I see, you know, people disagreeing with me. Hey, I don't mind people disagreeing with me. That's what I'm here for. I love the fact that you guys don't agree with me, but I would love for you guys to come in and tell me who do y'all think is in this, like, who is y'all list? Who is top three to y'all? Who's top five to y'all? Because I have Devin Booker number three. He averaged 28 points a game last year in the NBA um, in the NBA Finals. He averaged, what, 27, 28? For the playoffs, he averaged 28 points a game. That was his first ever playoff appearance, and I think he has more waiting for him. At number two, and this is where everybody's going to get mad, this is where everybody's going to get upset. We got we to gotta get through these next couple of segments soon. I have Luka at number two. So I don't know if you guys could guess who's number one on my list. I have Luka at number two. And for some of the people that might be like, oh, my God, how the hell do you have Luka at number two? Calm down. Calm down. I have Luka at number two because Luka has not won a playoff series yet. He hasn't. He's 0-2. Um, in the playoff series last year where he took the well, in, in the playoff series last year where he took the uh Los Angeles Clippers to seven games, he blew two of those games in which he could have finished them off in six games. That's why I don't have Luca at number one. I have him at two. He doesn't play any defense as at all. He's allergic to defense. He doesn't play any defense at all. I don't know if he could guard anybody. 
outside of you just put him in front of like a knockdown shooter in the corner who doesn't move around a lot, like a Joe Harris or somebody like that. Yeah, he could probably guard that. But as an offensive talent, I think on this list, Luka is the best offensive under-25 player in the NBA. I think he's the best offensive. But do I think he's the best player? Absolutely not. My number one, yes, everybody's guessing it. It's, it's Donovan Mitchell at number one. Before you, before y'all even say what, I want y'all to go look at who's top 10 in playoff scoring points per game. Donovan Mitchell falls in that list. He's top 10 all time in points per game. So Donovan Mitchell, it hasn't been, it's not like Donovan Mitchell's played in two, three playoff series in his entire career. Donovan Mitchell has played in a lot of playoff series in his career. He's played in over, I want to say six, and he's top 10 all time in scoring. His rookie year, he beat three future future Hall of Famers. Westbrook is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Whether y'all like him or not, he beat Westbrook in his prime. He beat a first ballot Hall of Famer in Carmelo Anthony. Paul George will make the Hall of Fame. He's not a first ballot, but he will make the Hall of Fame. He beat all three of those guys as a rookie and an underdog in that series in the first round. Then the next year, he proceeds to take James Harden to six games. Then this year, injured, he took Kawhi and the Clippers to six games. He won the first-round series against John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies in five. He averages, I want to say, 28, 29 points per game in the playoffs. He's a force in the playoffs. Nobody can stop him. He's a bucket getter. Just a few years ago, him and Jamal Murray, I think y'all forget, y'all, y'all, y'all are stuck in the moment and haven't looked at the body of work. Body of work, outside of maybe Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell has the best body of work out of all these players I just named. Donovan Mitchell has the best body of work out of all these players I just named on the list outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But Donovan Mitchell hasn't played with a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown. He hasn't played with Kyrie. He hasn't played with Terry Rozier. I just named you four 20-point-per-game scores. Donovan Mitchell's second-best player is a statue in the center, Rudy Gobert. His second-best player is Mike Conley, who can't stay on the court. Had he had Mike Conley this year, Donovan Mitchell would have been in the conference finals this year. Mike Conley wasn't even on the court this year when they played the Clippers. And yet he finds a way to win games. He finds a way to make the Utah Jazz relevant. The Utah Jazz are, are the number one seed this year. They have the best record again outside of Golden State. They have the second best record. My bad. Last year they had the number one record in the entire NBA because of Donovan Mitchell. And then when him and Jamal Murray went blow for blow in the bubble, he gave Jamal Murray 55. Jamal Murray gave him 50. And Donovan Mitchell averaged like 35 a game in that series. And he hasn't looked back since then. His lowest scoring series is like 25. So I definitely have Donovan Mitchell at one. I'm not asking you guys to agree with me. I see a lot of pushback in the chat. I see some people agreeing with me. I see a lot of pushback in the chat. But I'm not asking you guys to agree with me because I could really care less if y'all agree with me. But I would love for you guys to, you know, tell me y'all list. Tell me how y'all feel. Because this is what we are here for. We are here to debate sports, debate sports, and talk about sports. But I am, I, I'm going to put Luca at two. I got to put Luca at two. I don't agree with Luca being one. I, don't, I see somebody say Book. I don't agree with Book being one. Book's only made the playoffs one time. He couldn't make the playoffs before Chris Paul got there. Donovan Mitchell makes the – Donovan Mitchell hasn't missed the playoffs any time in his career. He's in the West. All these guys I just named on the list – Brandon Ingram, missed the playoffs before. Bam, in the East, missed the playoffs before. Zion, hasn't made it. John Morant, missed the playoffs before. Trey Young, missed the playoffs before. 
Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they're in the East. Devin Booker missed the playoff before. Luka, he hasn't missed the playoffs, but he's – no, he has missed the playoffs. He missed the playoffs his rookie year. Donovan Mitchell is the only player in the West on this list that hasn't missed the playoffs. And outside of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, he's the only player on this list that hasn't missed the playoffs. And he's the only player on this list that's shown up in every playoff series that he's playing in. He's never had a bad game. So that's why he's number one. But I'm going to transition from that. We, we took a little too long on that segment. I see where he says uh, Spider benefits from a great system. All these guys are in good systems. Devin Booker just benefited from Monty Williams and Chris Paul coming to his team, but y'all want to put him number one. Rick Carlisle was an um, NBA championship head coach. Luka inherited that alongside Porzingis. Why can't Luka win? All these guys I just named on the list, they all have more help outside of John Morant than Donovan Mitchell. Somehow Donovan Mitchell is more, <laughs> somehow Donovan Mitchell is more successful. But I'm going to transition to the college football playoffs. I'm going to touch on this really, really quick. Um, I'm just going through the, you know, rankings of 1 through 11. I see we have Georgia at number one. Obviously, Georgia Bulldogs, if you want to argue with me right now, I'm not talking about in the future. But as of right now, Georgia is deserving of that number one spot. They're the best team in the country. They haven't given up no more than, what, 13 points a game? Georgia's Georgia, The most points Georgia has given up this year is 13 points a game. I see we have Alabama at two. You got to agree with that, even though they struggle with LSU. Bryce Young is the best quarterback in college football. I think he's number one, two in the Heisman running. So I got Alabama at number two, like the college football playoff rankings. They put Oregon and Ohio State at three. I would flop that. I would put Cincinnati at three, and I'll put Oregon at four, Ohio State at five. I would still put Cincinnati at three because what you're basically telling me is if you're Ohio State and Oregon, you get a chance to just lose the game and it doesn't matter. Okay, Oregon lost to a 3-6 and six Stanford. How is Oregon number three and they lost to Stanford who won't make a bowl game this year? I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just don't get it. How is Oregon number three and they haven't made – not, Stanford's not going to make a bowl game this year and they lost to Stanford. How is Ohio State number four and they lost to Oregon at home? They got handled at home by Oregon. Cincinnati hasn't lost a game this year. They beat a top 10. Notre Dame right now, I'm looking at the list. Notre Dame is 8-1. Their only lone loss is against Cincinnati at home. They lost to Cincinnati by double digits. That's it. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. That's the second best road win in college football outside of Oregon going to Ohio State. I think if you put Clemson's name in replace of Cincinnati, Cincinnati being number two in the country. The reason why we're not putting Cincinnati at number three is because they're not Clemson. Clemson plays the weakest schedule every single year. Last year, they made a college football playoffs. They did not play one ranked team in the regular season last year, and they made the college football playoffs. But Cincinnati, they beat Notre Dame on the road, who at that time I want to say was number seven in the country, and they were number eight. They beat Notre Dame on the road. But you want to diminish that because of the simple fact you want to keep Ohio State and Oregon relevant there's nothing wrong with doing that. Am I, is Cincinnati better than Oregon or Ohio State? Hell no. But what I will say this is, I'm following what the college football playoff committee has done in the past couple of years. It's not about who's the best team, because if that's the case, the best four teams every year since, we, since y'all been in high school and since, I get a, since I've been alive in the college football playoff since 2014, the best four teams every year is Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. And, it, and you can flip-flop Georgia and Oklahoma every year. Those are the five best teams in college football. 
But Georgia has only made the college football playoff one time. You want to know why? Because every year they have two losses. One loss is Alabama. One loss ends up being LSU. So that's what I'm getting at. I'm following the criteria of the college football playoffs, and the criteria tells me personally that you should follow what they say and what, what should be done by saying, okay, if you won all your games, you should be able to be ahead of a one-loss Oregon or one-loss Ohio State team. And I see where somebody says, we didn't get handled by Oregon. We lost but not handled. You got handled at home by Oregon. I watched the game. You were not able to move the football physically, and you were not able to stop Oregon from scoring. At some point in time in the fourth quarter, it was 35-21 with about seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. That's being handled. Well, you're being handled by a team that lost to a 3-6 and six Stanford, and you're, you're down 14 at home. That's called being handled. You know how hard it is to beat a top three opponent by 14 points on the road? That's called handling an opponent. When you cannot stop an opponent from scoring the ball or, or you can't score the ball on them, that's called being handled. I don't look at the score and look at the box score and say, oh, Oregon beat Ohio State 35-28. What I look at is I sit here and say, okay, at, in the middle of the fourth quarter, before Ohio State got a garbage point touchdown, Ohio State was down 35-21 for almost 30 minutes of my time watching the game. That's called getting handled. When you can't stop a nosebleed, that's called getting handled. So, yes, Oregon handled Ohio State. Oregon also lost to a 3-6 Stanford. I think Cincinnati should be ahead. Michigan is ahead of Michigan State. Don't understand that. Because how do you put Oregon ahead of Ohio State? Well, Oregon beat Ohio State, but Michigan beat Michigan, but somehow you put Michigan ahead of Michigan State. The college football playoff committee is crazy. I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Oklahoma, they're 9-0. They're at number 8. It makes absolutely no sense, but they have some games to tune up and get their ranking better. They have Baylor this week where they could jump from 8 to 5. Then they have Oklahoma State, who's number 10. They could jump from 5 to 3 or 2. Oklahoma, you win all your games, you make the college football playoffs. Don't even worry. Um, I see Oklahoma State, you win all your games, you make the college football playoffs. No worries. I see Texas A&M at 11. They're just creeping. Texas A&M is creeping at 11 because of the simple fact they beat Alabama. That's it. But if Alabama loses one more game, Texas A&M makes the uh, SEC championship. It has a, a chance to beat Georgia and make the college football playoffs. If they went out, Alabama loses a game, and Texas A&M goes to the SEC championship, and Texas A&M beats, um, beats uh, Georgia, they're going to the college football playoffs. Hey, we're going to take a quick 30-second break. Um, I just wanted to do that. We're going to take a quick 30-second break, and then we're going to get to the last two segments. Uh, segment three is midseason NFL awards. Y'all going to see who my NFL MVP is. A lot of people, y'all going to be shocked. Some people are going to be upset about that. And then I'm going to talk about you know, my most surprising and disappointing NBA players in the league. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this.
just a quick 30 second break i just need to catch my breath man i can't sit here and talk forever man but the six man with can we have not given it a proper introduction today so i need to go ahead and give it a proper introduction the six man with cam i am your host cam ursery we are back for segment three and segment four um like i said i am your host i'm over here laughing at some of the comments i apologize but uh, you can follow us on Instagram at the Six Man with Cam. You can follow me on Facebook, Cam Alexander Urshery. Uh, also on Twitter at Cam Urshery. Uh, that's where we stream the show. You can come watch us. You can subscribe. Hey, for everybody that's in the stream right now that's watching on YouTube, please just hit the subscribe button and like the video. That's all I ask of you. Um, nothing more, nothing less. Just subscribe, like the video, show some love to the channel because we're trying to bring you some good content. And plus. I appreciate you guys for coming out. It means so much to me. Uh, you know, this is just something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I, it means a lot. Um, but, man, I want to touch on the midseason NFL awards because I feel like there's some guys balling out. Um, and I know you guys, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to touch on where Odell's going to go. That's for next week. Next week, this guy, uh, hey, you know, spoiler alert, next week, we do have an NFL player coming on next week. He's a college football All-American, former NFL player, he played with Ed Reed, played against Ed Reed, played with Vince Young. He played against the great Deion Sanders. He's played against Troy Polamalu, Peyton Manning. This guy, he's like, he's like a big brother to me. He's a good person. He's going to be riding here in the office with me next week. That's going to be one of the special guests. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he played for the Tennessee Titans. He was an All-American at Florida for the Florida Gators. Never lost against Georgia. We're going to have him on, and we might have another special guest on next week that played against Zion, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I'm trying to give y'all some good content. So we got some good guests coming on next week. But, man, I'm going to touch on these midseason NFL awards, and I'm just looking at it. I'm impressed with what I've seen from the NFL this year. It's been nothing but impressive. We don't know who's going to win. Uh, my favorite is the Rams, but I could, de I could definitely be wrong. Uh, the Rams, they don't look great every week, so I could definitely be wrong. But, man... I want to touch on my coach of the year. Y'all tell me if y'all agree or, you know, you disagree with this um, because, man, I mean, I, I, I love to hear you guys' comments. I love to hear what you guys have to say. So y'all tell me if y'all agree with this or not. My coach of the year, I actually have two coaches. I'm going to go AFC and NFC because that's how I want to divide it up. I don't want to just give the award to just one coach. There's two co There's a coach from each division, each conference that I think is deserving so, and these two coaches have been balling out this year. Uh, coach of the year for the AFC, Zach Taylor, the coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. What can I say? Cincinnati had four wins last year. They were 4-12. and 12. They're 5-4 and four right now. Joe Burrow, he's been looking spectacular. Jamar Chase is a top five performance-wise wide receiver in the NFL right now. They were not a good team last year. Uh, when have we ever just looked at Cincinnati and say, man, we like the Cincinnati Bengals this year. Cincinnati looks great. I think Zach Taylor's doing a phenomenal job. Some people want him fired last year. This year he has a chance to make the playoffs. He, um, they had a bad loss this past week against the Browns. Okay, that's cool. Clean it up. Go to the next week. But Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, that's my coach of the year. And in the NFC, this is what's going to make people scratch some people's heads. But listen to me closely. Listen to me closely. Let me take a sip of my drink for this. Listen to me closely on this. My NFC coach of the year is Arthur Smith from the Atlanta Falcons. And I know I, got, I know I got my dad watching, and I know I got people watching, but hear me out on this, and this is why I say that. The Atlanta Falcons are 4-4 four and four this year. Last year, they were 4-12. and 12. Last year, hear this out. I'm about to preach the gospel to y'all. Last year, the Atlanta Falcons had Julio Jones, 
Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Russell Gage, Todd Gurley. Um, who else did they have on defense? They had a slew of players on defense. They had all those guys. This year, they're without Calvin Ridley. They're without Julio Jones. They've been not without Russell Gage for most of the part this year. They don't even have a comparable running back. They have a wide receiver playing running back. They have a wide receiver playing running back. Just think, 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 think about what I'm saying. A wide receiver is playing running back, and they have four wins in the National Football League. They're four and four. Y'all, if the playoffs started today, guess who would be in the playoffs right now? The Atlanta Falcons. Why y'all laughing and stuff like that? I see a couple of, I see a couple of Eagles fans and stuff like that. And some of y'all teams, y'all got the worst record in the Falcons. I know the Eagles beat the Falcons week one, but y'all got the worst record. All I'm saying is if the playoffs started today, the Atlanta Falcons would be in the playoffs. All those guys I named you, we don't have Julio Jones. They had Julio. They had Calvin Ridley last year and Russell Gage. They had all them guys last year. We don't have none of them now. None of them have been playing. They had Todd Gurley last year. They had all these dudes. They had Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, DeMonte KZ. They had all these guys on that team last year, and they were 4-12. and We have nobody. Y'all name me outside. outside. <laughs> I see where they say bring back Wentz to Philly. That's another topic for this guy. That, that's another time. But outside of on defense, outside of maybe Grady Jarrett and A.J. Terrell, who does the Falcons have on defense? Y'all can't name me five players on the Falcons' defense. You want to know why? Because I can't. Because we don't have nobody on defense. You can't name me five players on our defense because I don't know them either. And I'm a Falcons fan. You can't name me five players on the Falcons' offense outside of Matt Ryan and Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson. You want to know why? Because I don't know anybody. I don't even know our starting receivers right now. Russell Gage has been there for one or two games this year. Calvin Ridley has not been there. I don't even know our receivers this year. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know our receivers. I don't even know. Mike Davis has been terrible. I don't know our old line. I don't know none of that. But what I will say is Arthur Smith has done a hell of a job. Four wins in eight games this year. Last year, you could even get, you barely got four wins in 16 games. You got to give what credit is due. I got the Falcons and Arthur Smith, Coach of the Year, for the midseason awards. Not right now. This is just midseason. Right now, he has them looking decent. Um, I want to touch on this. Rookie of the Year, this is easy. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, 44 catches, 835 yards, seven touchdowns. I'm not going to even touch on him. He's running away with the Rookie of the Year award. Like, he's just been great. He's been magnificent. I love what he's been doing. Jamar Chase, he's the real deal. He deserved credit with credit is due. Them LSU boys, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Odell, they be doing their thing. Shout out to LSU because, man, y'all producing some wide receivers. Jarvis Landry, all them guys, Sterling Shepard. Man, y'all got y'all really wide receiver you outside of Alabama. After Alabama, y'all wide receiver you, man. I give you that. So, Jamar Chase, he's my rookie of the year. He's fantastic. My comeback player of the year is Joe Burrow. I want y'all to hear this. Y'all praise Pat Mahomes so much. So damn much. I don't understand it. Y'all Pat, y'all praise Pat Mahomes and how he's just, oh, he's this and that. And he's, I hope y'all know this year, Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow have the same record and the same stats. This year, Joe Burrow has thrown for 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. His team is 5-4. and four. His only weapon is Jamar Chase. Name me another weapon um, with Cincinnati. Don't say Joe Mixon. I'm talking about a weapon outside that Joe Burrow could throw to. Name me a defensive player on Joe Burrow's team. You can't name it. 
Okay, exactly. He just lost A.J. Green. A.J. Green didn't even want to play with him. So, like, I'll repeat it again. 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Pat Mahomes this year, 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. His team is also 5-4. But Patrick Mahomes, that's Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Tyra Matthew, Chris Jones, and Andy Reid as his play caller with Eric Bieniemy as his play caller. But yet he has the same amount of wins, the same amount of yards, the same amount of touchdowns, the same amount of interceptions. Normally, I would say Dak Prescott would be comeback player of the year because Dak Prescott is having a better year than both of those players. But I choose Joe Burrow because he is doing it with a bag of chips. He's doing it with a bag of chips. That's it. I know John Bates is nice. Don't get me wrong. John Bates is nice. I see in the chat. John Bates is tough. But what I'm saying is you compare that to Kansas City and what Mahomes got, Joe Burrow don't have a Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, bro. He don't have Andy Reid calling plays and Eric Bieniemy calling plays. He don't have that 12th man that he has an arrowhead. Joe Burrow doesn't have that, but yet he's on the same level as Patrick Mahomes this year. A dude that's supposed to be the best quarterback in the NFL. Come on, man. He's comeback player of the year. I would give it to Dak, but Dak has way more weapons. He has like three all-pro wide receivers. If they go to another team, they're all all-pros. Amari Cooper's an all-pro. CeeDee Lamb's an all-pro. Michael Gallup, he could go be, you know, a pro bowl wide receiver if he goes to another team. Ezekiel Elliott, he's still a top 10, top 15 back in the league. He has a defense, and I'm about to get right to that because my defensive player of the year is Trevon Diggs. It's not even close. If you arguing with that, you, you – hey, you don't even know you don't even know football if you're arguing that Tre- Trevon Diggs – is not the defensive player of the year. He has 29 tackles, seven touchdowns, and two pick sixes, two of that for touchdowns. He's defensive player of the year, and the reason why I'm going to skip this because my MVP this year, I want everybody to comment in the chat, who is your MVP? Tell me who your MVP is, and I'll say in 10 seconds who mine is. You have Brady. He's having a phenomenal year. You have Matt Stafford. He's having a phenomenal year. Lamar Jackson is number two in my MVP. Shout out to my man, OJB. There you go. Lamar Jackson, love. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he is number two in my MVP list. But he ain't number one. Number one is Stephon Diggs. I mean, Trayvon Diggs. My, not his brother, but Trayvon Diggs. My defensive player of the year is Trayvon Diggs. My MVP is Trayvon Diggs. And the reason why is Trayvon Diggs has seven interceptions in eight games. Every game he's played in outside of one game this year, he has an interception. We've never seen that before since Dion. He's on pace to, to break the NFL interception um, record held by Night Train Lane. If you go look up who Night Train Lane is, they never, ever threw, um, threw, pass, threw, threw to his side. They never threw to his side. Outside of that one year where he broke the record. Trayvon Diggs, man, he deserves MVP. I don't think defensive players get enough love. Um, I think the best player in the NFL right now is a defensive player. Aaron Donald's the best player in the, in, in the NFL. He's just a defensive player, so he doesn't get any love. And I just thought as a midseason award, do I think he's going to win MVP? Hell no, because they're not going to give MVP to a defensive player. It's not flashy enough. It's not cool enough. We'll see Tom Brady or Matt Stafford or Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson get MVP. But if I'm talking about midseason, seven interceptions in eight games, he's literally won the Cowboys two games. The game against the Patriots – he had the pick six for a touchdown against Mac Jones. He doesn't get that pick six, they lose. And then against Minnesota, he had a pick six against Kirk Cousins. He doesn't get that pick six, they lose. The Cowboys are six and two. If he doesn't get two of those pick sixes in that game, the Cowboys are four and four. That's a huge difference. 
and they're only going to be one game ahead in, the, in their division. So Trevon, Trevon Diggs is definitely the MVP for this year for me for the midseason award right now. He's definitely my MVP. So let's transition. I gave you my, um, you know, my superlatives for the NFL awards midseason. You got Trayvon Diggs, MVP and defensive player of the year. Coach of the year, Zach Taylor and Arthur Smith from the Bengals and the Falcons. Jamar Chase, rookie of the year. Um, comeback player of the year, Joe Burrow. But NBA, I want, I want to leave this last man. Yeah, I see where everybody's saying Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray uh, for MVP, Lamar Jackson. I would, I would say that. I would say that, but you got to show love to defense. When a guy gets, you know, seven interceptions in eight games, that's really, really hard to do. I don't think we realize that. That means you have to bait a QB, a professional, a grown man, to throw to your side every game for you to get a pick. That's hard to do, bro. I don't think y'all realize that. Y'all name me one quarterback in eight games that had seven picks. You got to go way back to, like, the Deons and the Champ Baileys and stuff like that. It's unheard of, and he might break the NFL record for most interceptions in the NFL season. So that's why he's my MVP. I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback from that, but I love pushback. Y'all give me pushback. I'm not a sensitive person. I definitely have tough skin, so I, I, got, some I got some thick skin, man. So y'all give me some pushback on that. Um, but I'm going to transition to the NBA. I want to touch on surprising and disappointing players. I guess I could touch on the surprising um, John Morant, I already talked about him earlier. He surprised me 26 points per game. Shout out to my man CB in the chat. Like, I talked to you earlier. We, we've been agreed on this in our chat, our little personal chat, where I said John Morant is better than De'Aaron Fox. He's better than De'Aaron Fox. I think he's better than every point guard under 25 outside of Trey Young and Luka. I think Luka's a point guard. John Morant's special, bro. Like, the things he does, it's not just – the points per game and the assists, bro, he's a leader. He brings some a certain type of swagger to the court. He's just a leader. Do y'all see how he leads the Memphis Grizzlies? Every night the Memphis Grizzlies believe they could beat anybody because of him. You see the type of stuff he does. He leads his team. He scores. Whatever the team needs. If the team needs him to be a distributor that night, he's going to distribute the ball. If they need him to score, he's going to score. Does he need to fix up his defense a little? Absolutely. But, man, he's winning games without Dylan Brooks. When Dylan Brooks comes back, Memphis, that's a nice little young team. They need another piece or two. But John Morant, he's definitely on the way. I think he's a superstar in the making. If he's not a superstar already, he's a superstar in the making. He was dropping 40-something against Utah in the playoffs. Put some respect on John Morant. I respect him. I like him, bro. Um, Paul George, he's surprising to me right now. 27 points per game. I didn't think Paul George would come out here and do that. He's been very efficient this year, shooting good from the field and the three. His team isn't getting a lot of wins, but you got – I give Paul George his respect right now. He's playing like a top 15 player in the NBA, 27 points per game. That's hard to do by any player. You got to give him his flowers, whether y'all hate him or not, whether he, you know, flashes or pans out in the playoffs. He's producing right now, and that's all you can ask for. Um, he's um, two of my four surprising players. DeMar DeRozan is three of my four. DeMar DeRozan is an MVP candidate. You know, he's an MVP candidate right now. If we had to give an MVP today, damn, Paul, I mean, if damn, if we had to give an MVP today, DeMar DeRozan would win MVP. I can't even get it out, but DeMar DeRozan would win MVP today if we had to give a 10-game MVP. I think the Chicago Bulls are 8-3, 8-3, 9-3, and DeMar DeRozan is averaging 27 points per game. And it hurts me 
Because my Lakers could have got DeMar DeRozan. Oh, man. We're stuck with Westbrook. I, I'm still going to give Westbrook a chance. But my Lakers, we could have got DeMar DeRozan, man. I, I see where Steph Curry Steph Curry could win MVP. I wouldn't argue that. I would just say DeMar because they've played a little bit tougher teams and nobody really expected this out of DeMar DeRozan. I didn't. 27 points per game. Imagine if the Lakers right now had DeMar DeRozan instead of Russell Westbrook. They're the same players because Westbrook won't even shoot the three. DeMar DeRozan's hitting the three now. He's hitting the three ball now. I've seen games where DeMar DeRozan's hitting two threes a game. You take that. He's the best mid-range scorer in the NBA. If not the best, he's at least top three. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker is the only two, three, two guys I can think of that's a better mid-range scorer than him. But what I'm saying is, imagine if DeMar DeRozan was freaking on the Los Angeles Lakers right now. I don't think the Lakers would have lost the game outside of maybe one or two. Messing around with DeMar DeRozan. It's just, uh, that may have been a, a bad call the front office and Rob Palinka and the crew made in L.A. to get Russell Westbrook, who cost more than DeMar DeRozan. It may have been a bad call, but DeMar DeRozan is one of my surprising players. And number four, I got to say Harrison Barnes, man. Um, Harrison Barnes, 22 points per game. I'm, I'm shocked. I know that's that's something where y'all sitting here like, y'all sitting here saying Harrison Barnes and, oh, what you mean? Like, I, it's 10 games, y'all. Calm down. I ain't saying Harrison Barnes winning MVP. But what I'm saying is in the first 10 to, tw uh, to, tw to 12 games, Harrison Barnes has, he's been shocking. 22 points a game. That's big for him. He had a game where he had like 35 points per game. I'm shocked he has the Kings looking like the Kings, but he's the leading scorer on the Kings. He's playing better than De'Aaron Fox, who y'all give flowers to 24-7, and he's playing better than uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who's coming off an ACL injury, so I give him a, 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 you know, a break. But Harrison Barnes, he's definitely surprising. Now, my disappointing players, um, I'm going to touch on this guy first. Jason Tatum, he's averaging 23 points per game, 39% from the field, 32% from the three. You're letting down Jalen Brown, bro. Tighten up. Tighten up, for real. You let him down. You let him down last year. You let him down again. Tighten up. Jalen Brown has came this season and played. He's produced this year. You're letting Jalen Brown. Man, come on, man. You're letting that man down. It's time for Jason Tatum to show up. Y'all praise Jason Tatum so much. The man's shooting 39% from the field, bro. 32% from the three. Now, if I said this, if I had to show three days ago, Three days ago, the man was shooting 34% from the field and 21% from the three in 10 games. He's been terrible. I don't care about points per games. I'm talking about the field goal percentage, and I'm talking about the three-point percentage. He has been terrible. I don't care if he shoots 30 shots a game damn near. He's been terrible. I'm disappointed in him. Do I think he'll get it together? Absolutely. I hope so, at least for his sake. I hope he'll get it together because I'll be talking about this all year. It's a long year. I got 72 more games to watch you in the playoffs. I do this every Wednesday. I will bring Jason Tatum up if I have to. My other disappointing player, I think this guy will get it together, but you got to call him out. Damian Lillard, 19 points per game, 36% from the field, 25% from the three. You've been worse than Tatum. Last night, this was his first time. Last night was his first time cracking 25 points this year. We're talking about Damian Lillard, somebody who was just averaging almost 30 a game last year. 
somebody that gave y'all fa- one of y'all favorite players, Paul George, he gave Paul George 55 and a. He did that to him in the game six. He gave Paul George and Westbrook 55 in the closeout game. We talking about Dame Dollar. We talking about Logo Dame. We talking about a man that could, he's been averaging 25 to 30 in his sleep for the past five years. We talking about a dude, come playoff time, he averaging 30 plus in his sleep. The man not even averaging 20. He's shooting 25% from the field, 36% from the, I'm 25% from the three 36% 36% from the field. I'm just disappointed in Dane Lillard, man. And, and I, I think he'll get it together, but when, when you're a great player, we give you your flowers as a great player. We give you your flowers as a great team, but when you're disappointed, you deserve to be talked about. I could talk about you in a negative light because you're such a good player. I could come on here and say, okay, you've just been bad. Tighten up. You've been terrible. Tighten up. Your team needs you. Chauncey Billups is a it, he's, he's a new head coach. He needs you. CJ McCollum, he needs you. Nurkic, who, who, who ain't really that impressive to me, but they need you. You decide to stay in Portland when you could have came to – I'm not going to say it. You could have came to L.A. And, you know, you could have been on – you know, you could have been in Hollywood, AD, and LeBron James, and you might not be having these struggles right now, bro. But you do have them. So I need you to tighten up. You've been disappointing. Not going to happen. Uh, number three, well, let's go ahead and touch on this right now because I'm kind of pissed off, y'all. <sighs> do I, I see a comment where, where I say, do I think the rules are affecting him? Hell no. I don't think that. I just think players are coming into this season out of shape, and I'm about to touch on that in a second. I see where somebody says rules are affecting Harden. I don't believe that. I think players are coming in out of shape. But I see where somebody says Westbrook. I'm going to talk – I'm going to talk about Russell Westbrook, man, and I'm really pissed off with Westbrook. I don't even know where to start on this. He averages 19 points per game, 41% from the field, 25% from the three, but he's averaging 5.7 turnovers per game and only eight assists. Last night, I had the pleasure to watch my Lakers go up 14 on the Charlotte Hornets. And Westbrook didn't play a minute of that four, of that 35 to 6 run. He didn't play a minute of it. It was all Rondo. Rondo came in for a 12-minute stretch, had zero points, eight assists. Melo had 29 points for a reason. If you watch the game, Rondo was feeding him. Rondo gets ejected with eight, eight minutes left in that Lakers game against Charlotte. Westbrook comes in. Why do we go to overtime? We're up 14 points with eight minutes left with Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Wayne Ellington, all these dudes. And why the hell are we in overtime scratching and clawing with the Hornets who don't even have P.J. Washington? I can tell you why, because Russell Westbrook had five turnovers in the freaking fourth quarter. It makes no sense. I don't understand. And it's not turnovers where you're going in the paint, you're making something happen, you're like, ah, let me get back on defense. Ah, that's a mistake. I tried to make a play. No, it's just dumb turnover. He's dribbling. He loses the ball. He goes out of bounds. You're dribbling, trying to split people. You throw the ball damn near in the stands. You dribble again. You throw the ball at the ref who's out of bounds. The ref is a part of the game. That's three turnovers. You're going in the paint. He's passing up wide open jumpers. So for everybody that's on social media that sees Westbrook, that saw Westbrook this summer with LeBron James practicing in open gym, shooting threes, 
He's not attempting them this year. I'm talking about he's wide open, just far as the seat. Nobody guarding him. He dribbles, go in the paint, and turns the ball over. They go down the down the corner and score. It's disappointing watching watch Westbrook. I, I I knew Westbrook was going to be a turnover problem, but the reason why I like the Westbrook acquisition is because I thought he was going to bring energy to the Los Angeles Lakers. He hasn't brought energy. He looked slow. He looked sluggish at times. Now, the other night, he was pushing the ball, but then again, you're going for the triple-double, man, 17. Well, he had 17, 14, and like 12. We don't need that. We just need to win, bro. Learn to slow the game down. All these years, Westbrook's been in the NBA for over a decade. He still hasn't learned to slow the game down. I'm just disappointed in Westbrook. You got to get your game together, bro. Five turnovers. Cut that down to four. Eight assists. Get that up to nine. You got to start, start shooting threes, bro, if you want teams to respect the Lakers. You can't drive like you're a pure slasher on 2K. Uh, you, you just can't do that. And my last person, and we're going to be out of here after this. <sighs> my last person, this is what I mean by f- he's just out of shape. And I'm not going to say the person yet. Yeah, I know Westbrook leads the league in turnovers. Please, bro, you're making me have nightmares of Lakers games right now because he is, he's what makes the Lakers hard to watch. It's been hard to watch my Lakers, and I'm going to watch them tonight. They play the Miami Heat, a really good Miami Heat team, a good defense. They're probably going to put Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler on him, so I want to see what he does tonight. And, and, and I agree. I think Westbrook will be fine. But, guys, I'm saying who's disappointed and surprising right now? Westbrook is disappointing, and – it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> I see somebody guessed in the comments, James Harden. I don't understand how last year your team goes out in the second round against the Milwaukee Bucks. We all know if the Brooklyn Nets was fully healthy, go to, they go to the finals. If the Los Angeles Lakers were fully healthy, they go to the finals. Those were the two best teams in the NBA last year. But they got injured. Injuries are part of the game. James Harden got time to rest from basically March. I mean, not March, basically from May to October. How the hell in your 12th year, when you're a title contender, you pushed your way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn to form a super team with KD and Ke- Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how the hell do you come into this NBA season and you out of shape? Let me give you guys James Harden's stats right now. 18 points per game, 40% from the field, 40% from the three. Okay, the 40% from the three, that's fine. That's elite. The 40% from the field, hell no. We can't, I, James Harden, I don't like that. But the 18 points per game? Harden, that's all you getting me, bro? I know he's averaging, I think, 18, 8, and 7. That's cool. But we talking about James Harden here, though. He was the best point guard in the NBA last year before he got injured. You giving me 18 points per game? I'm just disappointed how he came into the season just out of shape. Not looking well. He's played really, really bad. If you're watching the games, he can't even move. And I'm wondering, and he came out and said it's his hamstring, but, bro, you was out there in the summer partying with little Baby overseas and stuff like that, going to the strip clubs, man. And I'm just like, come on, Harden. Come on, you chasing the ring. I'm a Lakers fan, but I also respect the game of basketball. Come on, bro, you chasing the ring. Don't do – don't do Kevin Durant like that. I know Kyrie's over there handling his business right now. Don't do KD like that, though. I'm a basketball fan before I'm a Lakers fan. So I still want to see good basketball. 
I still want to see good players be great. I want to see great players be phenomenal. James Harden is a first ballot Hall of Famer. For him to average 18 points per game in year 12, and you're not coming in locked in, laser-focused to win a championship this year, when your legacy's on the line, if James Harden doesn't win a ring in Brooklyn, I'm not putting him in the conversation as best shooting guard ever. You got Kobe. You got um, Dwayne Wade. You got all these dudes. I know Allen Iverson doesn't have a ring, but I'm picking, hey, if, if James Harden can't win a ring with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how can I put Harden over AI? You got Michael Jordan. We're talking about those type of guys. If you can't win a ring with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and y'all all in your prime, how can I respect that? So, man, I hope James Harden, you know, he comes back and he does his thing. I think he'll get it together. I think come Christmas time, you're going to see Harden. He's going to have a, a, a couple of 50 balls, man, and torch teams. But as of right now, James Harden, he hasn't looked impressive. He hasn't looked good. But that with, with that being said, y'all, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show today. That was still almost an hour. I thought it was going to be a 30-minute show. That was still almost an hour. Hey, for everybody in the chat, I appreciate the love. Next week, we got an NFL player, a former NFL player, college football Hall of Famer. All-American coming on the show next week, right in this studio at ESPN Radio. We also might have another guest that came on and played against Duke and that R.J. Barrett team in March Madness. He played with Taco Fall um, at UCF, so I'll let y'all go figure out who that is. Some people know who it is, um, but, man, I might have two guests on next week, but if not, we definitely going to have, you know, I almost said his name, but a former NFL player, College football, Hall of Famer, All-American on the show, a Gator, somebody who I call is a big brother. And let me put this up on the screen because my man CB, is he's hes preaching the gospel, man. Y'all make sure to like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. I appreciate everybody that's saying keep up the work. I appreciate everybody that came in here and just showed love. Look, y'all didn't have to do this today. Y'all really didn't have to. God bless y'all for real, man. I really appreciate it. It's something I've been working on for a minute. Just consistency. I'm trying to bring y'all consistent stuff each and every week. So, man, I really 100% appreciate y'all for coming in. Like and subscribe, man. And, hey, we'll be back next week. And it's going to be only popping next week. It's going to be a good show next week because this guest, he can talk. And he he's interesting. He's Ed Reed, Deion Sanders, Vince Young, Troy Palomalu. All those type of guys, Steve, the late and great Steve McNair, he's going to give you guys some stories. John Gruden, he'll tell you about Gruden a little bit. He's going to give you some stories. Tim Tebow, Percy Harvin, he has some nice stories. We might do a 15 to 30-minute segment for this guy because he got, he has a lot of stories to tell. He's a really good dude. Man, hey, I really appreciate y'all for coming in, man. Like and subscribe. You can find me on Facebook at Cam Urshry, Twitter, Cam Urshry, the six man at Cam. Um, on Instagram, we go live on IG. We will not be live on IG this week. I am busy this week. I got, you know, I got, I got, I got the girlfriend's birthday, my mom's birthday next week. Got to go home, see my girl, um, my sister and stuff like that. So, you know, can't do the IG live tomorrow. But next week, it's going to be lit for sure. For sure, man. So, yeah, hey, like and subscribe. Follow the Instagram page. Hey, share this to y'all friends too, man. We need more PA. We, we need more people to come and chop it up for some sports. Share this with your friends, your family members, whatever. And, man, hey, I'm out, man. And y'all have a blessed one, man. Peace.